Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Oi, mi gente, Ish here, and with the holidays happening, we all know that we're about to get caught up in tremendo corre-corre. But that doesn't mean you can't enjoy something delicious while running holiday errands. There's only one solution for awesome Cuban food that's fast. Uh-huh. You know we're talking about Cuban Guys restaurants. With five locations in South Florida, yeah, even one in Broward, there's no excuse to eat anything else when you're out and about. Beyond exhausted after Black Friday shopping all morning, swing by a Cuban Guys for pan con tortilla y, por supuesto, un café. Hungry after waiting in line for hours to pick up a lechon? Have some Cuban guys fritas and un batido. The kids están jodiendo on the way to Tia Gloria's house? Pop in and grab a cubanito sandwich for them while you enjoy the Cuban guys sandwich. Cuban guys restaurants lo tiene todo and you can dine in or order ahead for pickup or delivery. Así que visit cubanguysrestaurants.com to find the nearest location and start enjoying the awesome Cuban food you deserve this holiday season. Hey everyone, this is DJ. And this is Ish. And this is Season 5 of Pero Let Me Tell You. Hi, mi gente. Ish here now. You know, if there's one thing we love on Pero Let Me Tell You, it's food. We make no bones about that. We're fatties. We love to eat. It's what we do. And within that world, if there was a Venn diagram of what one of our favorite things in the world to eat would have to be a sandwich guano, the Cuban sandwich. So, of course, when I found out that there was a book about the history of the Cuban sandwich called The Cuban Sandwich, A History in Layers, perfect title in my opinion, I had to have the author, but to my surprise, it was three authors. So we have with us today um, Barbara Cruz, Andrew Hughes, and Jeff Hauk from the, the authors. I mean, from the Cuban Sandwich: A History in Layers. Thank you, all three of you, for joining. You know, I think this may be the first time I've had three guests uh, at once. I think the most we've ever done is two. So, congrats on that record breaker. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having. Thank us. you for having us. So, I'm just going to jump right in. I mean, I'm a Cuban-American boy from Miami. Before I even had recognition of life, I knew 
what a Cuban sandwich was. If I didn't know it by name, I knew it was this thing that existed. What led the three of you to say, you know what we need to write? The history of the Cuban sandwich. Like how, what was the genesis of this idea? Um, I guess I'll take this one. Um, All right, Andy. I, I sort of uh, became designated as, as sort of an expert a long time ago in the the mid 2000 aughts. But I, long before that, I was really interested and sort of obsessed to was interested in Tampa's his you know kind of food history, and really over time that just deepened. Um, and so the fact that people had so many questions about it sort of just kept nudging me in that direction. And then I happened to have some some friends of mine, you know, some colleagues who were similarly obsessed. And so I thought I could do it on my own and it would take a really long time. Um, or I could, you know, get some help and we could we could get a book out there sooner rather than later. Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> and yeah, well, and, and just a lot better too, because, um, you know, I'm, it's, it's way better than it would have been if I had taken 10 years to do it. Um, you know, unfortunately, the pandemic happened, so there was no travel involved or anything like that. But, uh, you know, that may maybe we'll save that for another project. But uh, but anyway, uh, you know, uh, Jeff and, and Barbara were instrumental in sort of linking the history that I was uh, you know, researching with the present and um, people who are kind of doing it in the here and now. So you were more the the historical, like you 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 had that itch scratched, and you're like, okay, how do we bring it from a history into the present day? And then that's where uh, Jeff and and Barbara stepped in. Absolutely right. Cool. And how did that go about, guys? Like, you know, was it was it more like, okay, let's divvy up the, you know, I'm gonna write this chapter, and you're gonna write this chapter, or was it, you know, let's get together and make the decision of, you know, a timeline where we're gonna take this as a through line. Well, I think that each of us brings a different, you know, component to the mix. We, we bring a different, something different to the party. And, and, and like you, Ish, I'm Cuban-American. I was born on the island, raised in Miami, spent most of my life in Tampa. And so I, I know that I have un pedacito de sandwich cubano somewhere in my DNA. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Well, it happens and to all so, of us. The minute we eat it, it just sticks there. It's, it's the Cuban brand. That's right. That's exactly right. So, so I, I bring that to the mix, and certainly my um, my native language is Spanish, and so some of the archival materials that we reviewed and that we found were not just in Spanish, but in Cuban Spanish. You know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> that is a very clear distinction that must be made. Our listeners know, but it is it deserves to be repeated. Yes. Well, and also a, a century-old Cuban Spanish. So there's lots of slang, et cetera, right? Another layer. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. And then we also did a number of interviews of, of craftspeople, of people, of artisans of the sandwich. And they were certainly from around the state of Florida, but also in various parts of the United States, in Las Vegas, New Jersey, but also around the world. And in some cases, the interviews that I did, it was so interesting because just about everyone was bilingual, is bilingual, but yet somehow or another, when they tapped into the very deepest recesses of their memories about the Cuban sandwich or their family making the Cuban sandwich, they would, they would switch into either Spanish or Spanglish. 
Right. Absolutely. And, and then that's where also Jeff comes in because um, he'll tell you a little bit about his background. All right, bring it home, Jeff. <laughs> I hear a lot of pressure after that setup. No, I I was a food writer for the Tampa Tribune for a number of years, and uh, you know, I just I saw how people lived their life through the sandwich and what it meant to Tampa from a cultural standpoint. Got to know it as I covered more and more of the food scene in Florida. Obviously, what it meant around the country, uh, but specifically South Florida, and um, you know, there was always a great sort of undercurrent of um, ours is better no matter where you went. And, uh, and I thought that was compelling, but even better is, you know, it's, it's about a sandwich, but the sandwich alone is not the story. It has great ingredients that have stories with them, but the stories are really the people who made them, how they got to where they were, you know, the, the compelling history that Andy and Barb researched showed that, you know, it had, wartime and and migration and cultural you know uh shifts from one place to another and it was definitely true with the current practitioners you know um you know the cuban sandwich you know they say re religion and politics are the third rail um uh, the cuban sandwich is the third rail of food and if you don't make it correctly and you call it a cuban sandwich uh you will know very quickly it's sort of like if you if you if you spell the word conch correctly, but you pronounce it conch, you will be hung in effigy in Key West. So there's little things like that in Florida. The the Cuban sandwich means something different uh, in both uh, uh, parts of Florida, but there's a similar passion. It just has a different uh, ring on the tree to it. So I was I was happy to kind of show who current practitioners were. Who sort of some some of the chefs then and their stories of how they came to use it, but um, you know I work for uh, the Columbia Restaurant Group, which has been in business in Florida since 1905, the oldest restaurant in Florida, oldest special oldest Spanish restaurant in the United States, and even they have a story after all this time. So being intimately familiar with it on the inside, and then actually you know what I saw before I joined the company, um, how could you not? want to be a part of this project I, I i tell my wife all the time i'm like i can't even imagine if this book was out now and i wasn't part of it the rage and jealousy that would course through my veins right now because it's such a great book i'm like i can't believe i got to be a part of it you would be one upset gentleman i can i can i i feel it like just the way you talk about it you'd be like how dare they not include I would, me <laughs> i would be on the news in some fashion i have no <laughs> doubt about it so I definitely want to talk about like the 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 more recent you know the new crop of of Cuban sandwich makers, but you know I I want to pick up on something that you said you know the the passion that so many in Florida feel about the Cuban sandwich. I mean there was, in all fairness, there was like less intensity in the rivalry between the Sharks and the Jets than there is between Tampa and Miami over who created the Cuban sandwich, right? But what I was struck by is just how global this story really is. I mean it because. Again, it would have been very easy and, and or lazy, really, to kind of be like, well, Tampa, you know, it's it's the birthplace. It hurts me to say that, but it's it's the truth, you know, as far as the U.S. goes, right? It, you know, Tampa's birthplace, and Miami, you know, has a Cuban community, and kind of just take it from there. But you guys went really, really far back. I mean, in, in a sense, giving us you know a, a greater history of the sandwich in a 
cultural context that was crazy to me. I mean, I've never seen more old-timey letters by women who are organizing lunches talking about how to eat a sandwich in my life, and I love it. God bless all three of you for finding those documents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and the thing is, is like I said in the introduction, like it's so, it's like radically reductive the way that it's been treated, I think, in, in kind of written language. That just that, like Alton Brown, for example, he'll spill, I don't know how many words about what he thinks about sandwiches when he came to town, but his recipe takes up that much space. It's four lines, you know, and it's, I think it's four or five lines and it's, there's, and there's no history. There's nothing attached to it, you know, and that's what I think is one of the real failings of, of food writing as we know it, or as we, as it, we've known it in the past, because it's changed. It's been changing really fast uh, in the last 20 years. And so for me, it was really important to, not just write a, a book about the Cuban sandwich, but kind of the life and times mm -hmm. of the Cuban sandwich and this this deep um, context. Because always before it was like, um, you know, like in the 80s or 90s, if an article was written, it was like, well, the Cuban sandwich showed up around 1960, you know, and came, you know, uh, and and showed up As in Miami. Magic. You know, and it's sort of like, whoa, you know, it just. Um, it's so jarring in that it just uh, lops off everything that came before and everything that made it what it is, you know, up to that point. So for me, that was uh, that was mission number one was making sure that we had that context, you know. Yeah. And I think another interesting thing and, and maybe, you know, maybe, Barbara, you can speak to this a little more or, or, or on, a, on a relatable uh, level is. The Cuban sandwich, and I'm not trying to get too deep here because that's not my style, but um, it, it, it's almost like the immigrant story, right? Where it's just like it, it made its way over here as in one shape or form, and then the longer it's been around, the more it can evolve. And, you know, I'll, I'll stick to the Cuban-American of it all. You know, a Cuban-American in Miami isn't the same as one in Los Angeles, isn't the same as one in New York, because ultimately, you know, you, you are shaped by your surroundings and your environment. Would, would that be a fair, you know, assessment, again, if we're taking that 30,000, you know, mile from a view from above? Absolutely, it's a fair assessment. I mean, the Cuban sandwich is a, is a story of migration. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's a, it's a story of diffusion, of cultural diffusion, of, of starting with the mixto in Cuba, right? Literally mixed and having this combination of meats and cheese and you know in our research we found that chorizo and salchichon and pavo and all of those kinds of things were were used in the sandwiches as well um probably you know kind of going by way of key west at some point as well certainly in tampa you know lots of times we forget that the largest cuban enclave in the whole united states was in tampa uh-huh until about 19 in 1950s and certainly after the cuban revolution you know we see the, the huge influx of immigrants uh cuban exiles into miami and then the miami cuban you know morphs it yet again uh the bread is different certainly it doesn't have the genoa salami um siempre por la plancha siempre yep and so you know it's just a different feel and what we have found is that it continues to evolve continues to evolve. So we we talked to folks, um, one of my favorite interviews that we did for the book is a gentleman who was born in Cuba, um, 
kind of goes by way of Latin America. A young woman from Ireland is there, falls in love with her, follows her to Northern Ireland. Oh, wow. And basically sets up a Cuban sandwich shop in Belfast, Ireland, Northern Ireland, which is still there, operating, really popular. And, you know, it's just this beautiful story. And, of course, he, he has to make do with what he can find. Cuban bread is, you know, that's that's tough. And so he has... It's he, hard he to get it in New York, much less Northern Ireland. That's exactly right. Uh, we interviewed one in New Jersey, and he has a particular Cuban bakery, you know, in New Jersey that he can tap into. But that's going to be different. It's just like folks who who uh, debate the merits of the dough for pizza made in New York City. It's going to be different than Chicago, and you know, and all of that. So everywhere you go, it's a little bit different, and uh, we love them all. You know, we're equal opportunity Cuban sandwich eaters. I got to say, I mean, as I was reading them, I was like, well, they all sound good. But it's weird because, again, you're you're the, the, the result of your experiences. Right. When I read like, oh, with Turkey, I'm like, no, that's an Elena Ruth. Like, no, no, thank you. I, 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 I know where that one goes. Right. So bringing it, you know, to to, to the modern, you know, more recent world, um, I'm going to direct this actually to, to Jeff. You know, you've got some great interviews in there. I mean, a lot of. I don't feel I, I, it feels right to call them some iconic, uh, you know, restaurants and interviews. I mean, from Sergio's to, you know, Betsaye to our friends at Sandwich, you know, Danny and Rosa. I mean, it, Gilbert's, it, it, the list goes on and on. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. What would you say, you know, uh, you, you made a mention that you know, everybody kind of puts their spin on it. But what would you say is the through line, right? Like no matter how modern it gets, no matter what the spin is, that the Cuban sandwich ultimately has to retain in order to have that recognition. I mean, aside from the bread, right? I guess we can all agree the Cuban bread or else it's just, you know, wheat on, like ham on rye. But um, what is that through line that that kind of makes everybody agree, okay, this, this is the Cuban sandwich? Sure. Yeah, you know, and I, I should say that that Barb and uh, and Andy contributed those profiles as well. I, Andy did the sanguish one and and Barb did the Belfast ones and, and, and others as well. We kind of tag teamed on it. Um, I, I, I know everybody gets hung up on ingredients, and I don't know if, if my colleagues agree with this. I think ultimately when, you know, as we were describing, when people move, they take their foodways with them. 
and sometimes they can replicate and sometimes they can't and when they can't they assimilate and try and use whatever they have um you know i don't think there's anybody sitting in florence that would recognize the chicken parm um is it reminiscent yes it is uh i don't think anybody in italy would say that noodles came from italy and not china you know everything moves and everything goes with it whenever people migrate um but i think that is not authentic what Listen, I'll eat the I'll eat the hell out of breadsticks any day of the week. You don't have to convince me. <laughs> anyway, my point is is that I think whenever you see the sandwich move, it's not about the ingredients; it's about the experience of eating it. Is it crunchy? Is it salty? Is it sweet? Does it have a little bit of mustard on it? Is it tangy? Is it creamy? Um, what are the different kind of flavor profiles that people associate with the experience of eating it? That's why. Okay, if you can't get it. Uh, can't get Cuban bread and you can't make it, you know what, if you have ciabatta, you'll use ciabatta. Is it the same experience? No. If you eat it on a baguette, is it the same? No. It's like having a food fight with your mouth. I mean, it's so heavily different. But, you know, it's it's um, it's about the, the combination of, of those flavors and textures that makes the Cuban a Cuban sandwich to me. I know people will argue and they'll say, no, it shouldn't have salami on it. And, you know, thank God for Andy and Barb because they found, you know, Salchi Chan had been on it on the island. That was crazy and, to me. And so when it makes its way to Tampa and there's all these Sicilians here, of course the Sicilians are going to go, why should I go buy Salchi Chan from that guy when I got my general salami here? <laughs> and, and so I'm not saying that that was the argument or that's how it made the leap, but wherever it goes, it assimilates and adapts. And, you know, in Tampa... It was Sicilians primarily who made the, the Cuban bread. Um, you know, there's one bakery in Ybor City that was owned by the Ferlita family, made 35,000 loaves of Cuban bread a week. And the houses in Ybor City had a nail on the outside that you would literally impale the bread on the outside of the house. Miami doesn't have that story. It's a different level. It's a different thing. But each place it goes, it adds a, a different thing. You know, Barb found the, the, the gentleman in Belfast. There is a, a restaurant in Seoul, South Korea, it's called the Tampa Sandwich Bar. And they make a Tampa Cuban. They make a Miami Cuban. The whole menu is about American comfort food. There's macaroni and cheese. There's all kinds of different things. But they also make a, a Korean-style one that has kimchi on it. A kimchi now, Cuban sandwich. Kimchi. And, and you would think that that would be crazy. But when you think about the mustard and the pickles on it, cutting through the fat and the mojo and the pork... It's brilliant. And they came to Tampa. I, I found them on Instagram. I made friends with them. And then I sent them a bunch of Tampa artifacts. I am the only Caucasian to send rice to Asia. <laughs> I know Barb, Barb and Andy have to be tired of the story. But I, I sent La Bomba Paella from the Colombia and all these Colombian artifacts. But their inspiration was the Colombia restaurant Cuban that they found online. And like, okay, how do we how do we make this? But the fact that it wasn't a Miami sandwich bar. It was a Tampa sandwich bar. Wow. Was significant to me. Without even visiting, they just they, they were like, "This is the inspiration." Like visually, they they were like, "This is this is what we." It's a it's a total food food baby of the internet. And so, yeah, again, what was it that was appealing? Well, it said that number one, even though it was a Cuban sandwich, it's an iconic American food, and as so we can have ethnicities within America that are identified with that. Um, you know, and and it's just it's a it's a a sandwich that 
comforts, it fills your belly, um, you know, and, and, and it hits so many different points on the flavor and texture profile that that to me is what, uh, what the real appeal of the sandwich is. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you in the comfort food area of it because I, I lived in Queens for a couple of years and there were times where I would order either a Cuban sandwich or even a medianoche knowing that bread-wise I was going to be disappointed. I knew it wasn't going to happen. I knew it was. I knew what I was getting myself into. But when it came through, right, like that comfort of like, okay, but this still tastes, right? It, it, it does it, like does it taste like a Philly cheesesteak if it's not on an Amarosa roll? Yeah. yeah. Is it better on an Amarosa roll? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, we all set our expectations no matter where we dine, no matter what we eat. Um, some are a little more rigid than others, and it, and it sort of became codified um, by the passion in Miami, you know, I think it's safe to say, um, you know, when in the book I interviewed Michelle Bernstein, who's an Argentinian chef, uh, well-known in Miami, um, she doesn't make a Cuban, she makes a mixto, because if you make a Cuban, there are certain expectations in people's heads, and if you don't hit those expectations, you're screwed. Um, that That's is smart. essentially that essentially the 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 tactic of a lot of people where they they're like mixto allows me to play Cuban sandwich is like I have to measure two bits by two, two bits by this you know yeah and that's why she yeah I don't, know, I, I don't know any other I don't know any other sandwich too that has to be cut a certain way I mean Barbara will tell you that it's I mean from yeah. long way from corner to corner mm-hmm. you know so there's just there's a lot of things I've even saw research where it's got to be on a certain kind of plate. I mean, it's wow. really, really deep. So, uh, that's, yeah, that's a little much. The plate is a little much. I, I, I'm cool with it just being on, you know, a regular Dixie plate, paper, paper <laughs> plate. I'm fine. It's okay. Right. So I, I, I want to bring something up that, you know, and again, I, you know, I've, I've been reading uh, the Cuban sandwich of history and layers. I'm about halfway through. So I probably am on more on the, historical side than the more recent side of things but something that we mention on our show a lot that is a little bit of a pet peeve for us is when people refer to the cuban sandwich in english as like oh i'm gonna order a cubano as opposed to saying like i'm gonna order a cuban sandwich because it's one of those things where we myself and my co-host have always said it's like we've never walked into a place and been like you know and again, we are Cuban. We are Spanish speakers, right? Walked into a place and been like, you know, do you guys have a Cubano? Like, no, no, nobody says that, right? Like, generally speaking, you know, we will say un sandwich cubano or a Cuban sandwich. Have you found that that's just some, like, have you found that happening? Or is it just us that we're annoyed by, like, the three people we've heard? <laughs> or, and wh- and if you have, why is it happening? Like, and can we stop it? I just... <laughs> So, because of course, I, I know exactly what you mean, by the way, Ish. I know exactly what you mean. When I first moved to Tampa, one of the things that freaked me out is that I would see these signs on the sides of the, you know, as I'm driving down the street, it would say, hot pressed Cubans. Like, what do you mean hot pressed Cubans? I'm like, no, what are you doing here? You know? I feel like, you should move, um, Barbara. You should move. It sounds dangerous if they're, <laughs> they're pressing Cubans. Yeah. For real. And so I thought that was a a little odd. And this idea of the Cubano, un Cubano is a human being, is a person. And so we don't, we don't, you know, do it like that. But in Tampa, certainly, and in a lot of other places, they they definitely do it that way. Um, You know, you go with the flow, you go with the flow. Well, the other part too, there's a great story in Tampa. 
there used to be a sports editor named Tom McEwen at the Tampa Tribune, and he wasn't just a sports editor. He was like a kingmaker. And when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers changed coaches one time to Tony Dungy, they picked him up at the airport, um, and Tom says, uh, "Okay, uh, I have to make one stop. I have to pick up. Uh, I have to pick up seven Cubans uh, before we get." And Tony had no idea. And Tony's like, "This is a pretty small car. I'm not sure where everybody go." And uh, sure enough, Tom goes, stops, gets sandwiches. He goes, oh, okay. And it was like his baptism to Tampa. Um, you know, Chinese food is not Chinese food in China. It's just food. True. True. That's a very fair assessment. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I guess I had never thought about it because we're applying, you know, that to us, a Cubano is a person, not a sandwich. So that that's a very fair uh thank you for explaining my thoughts to me, Barbara. Like I hadn't even stopped to think about it, so I appreciate that. <laughs> so as we're wrapping up, okay, uh, you know, we, we don't we don't shy away from controversy on this show. Based on your own personal opinions and your research, does salami belong on a Cuban sandwich or not? I know, I know. It's about it's as controversial as talking about Israel and Palestine. I know. I know, but I don't know who wants to go first. I mean, I, I, I like them any which way, really. I mean, honestly, um, I've had lots of great ones with salami, and I've had lots of good ones without salami. So I, I'm either way, as long as it's good. So yesterday I was at, uh, at a workshop, and we were talking about Cuban sandwiches, and this young woman told me that she remembers exactly the first time that she had a Cuban sandwich in her whole life. And it was in Atlanta, Georgia, of all places. And she was going to college and she had her first boyfriend and whatever. And she said it was the, and it was a little old lady who made them on the side. And it was the best Cuban sandwich she had ever had to this day. I think that context matters. I think that environment matters. And, you know, when I go to Miami to visit family, and I think about someone asked me the other day, if, could I do I remember the first time that I had a Cuban sandwich? And first of all, lots of folks don't realize that for most Cubans, we don't have we didn't have Cuban sandwiches at home. It was something you got up when you went out, right? Now, either at a restaurant, a sit-down restaurant, a diner, or at a ventanita. La ventanita. And so when I would go, well, I remember when I went with my dad, that is probably who has since passed. That that Cuban sandwich that I remember cut on that sharp diagonal con la puntica that you can dunk into the cafe con leche. That is awesome. That is an, a, a, an, this, you know, this taste memory that is just so strong and so warm and so comforting. But I got to tell you, I moved to Tampa <laughs> as an adult. And um, when I go to the Columbia restaurant or when I, I would go to the Silver Ring or I would go to La Tropicana, any you know, a number of places, the savoriness of the Genoa salami and the bread from La Segunda Bakery that is crusty on the outside and soft on the inside and delicious. That, that is a, awesome. That bread Have you had that? I have had bread from La Segunda. It is next level. It is next level, that bread. So you see what I'm saying? And so depending on where you are and who you're with and what your goal is that day. <laughs> or night. Right. 
That's true. Or night. It could be most likely it's after a night of dancing that you're you know you're swinging by but Saya at like one in the morning. You need something to you know to settle that stomach. There are very few things that are as good an airbag for your liver than a Cuban sandwich at like <laughs> one a.m. I'm gonna turn that into a T-shirt. By the way, that's a great quote. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, it's I I I echo what Barb and, and Andy say. I I am uh I wish I was more discerning. I I I I think fighting over food and ingredients uh is a first world problem. Fair enough. And and um as Barb said, you know, no one's fighting over this in, in Cuba. Right. And and you know, as Andy's research showed Randy's research showed that more than one protein is a rich man's sandwich at a certain period of time in history. So, you know, we, I think we're all very blessed to have whatever the hell we can get on the sandwich. Um, I've had convenience store sandwiches that when I'm trying to get between point A and point B, it's not my ultimate experience, but guess what? It's a Cuban. Um, I've had it with, um, I've had it with uh, mayonnaise, not going to turn it away. Um, you know, it's just, I, I feel so fortunate to be able to have it where we live right. um, that I remember when I lived on the other side of the country and we didn't have them, you know, you kind of miss them a little bit, you know, so be happy for what you have is my message. All right. I have to say, I agree with the three of you. I mean, at the end of the day, I just like food. So I'm yeah. not going to turn like nobody will ever come to me with a Cuban sandwich with salami and, and you will never see me be like, no, thank you. I, that has salami in it. Like, right. And if you've ever seen me do that, I've been replaced. That's like <laughs> consider that the, the warning sign, you know, the code, okay. the code for that. But right. I, I just got to say, you know, again, everyone, you know, this the, the Cuban sandwich, a history and layers. I mean. The book is great. The name is fantastic. The three of you are wonderful. The picture on the cover is enough to just make you salivate the longer you look at it. And I say that as somebody who's looking at the cover, so I make sure to get the name right. And it is like, I just had lunch. Why am I hungry again? Because I'm looking at this cover. Like, it's just that damn good. But, you know, thank you. Thank you for for taking the time to chat with us today. But more so than that, thank you for for writing this book, you know, it's it's one of those things that on the surface, you know, somebody sees it as like the Cuban sandwich, like what's the history? Like, okay, somebody woke up one day, was hungry, put some stuff together, right? But it's not. It really is a love letter to, to food, to the Cuban sandwich, but also it's a history lesson. You know, it, it talks about so much of the history of Cuba, the U.S., of Spain, of, you know, just the entire Caribbean. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you 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 kind of hit it within the layers, right? Of uh of the book, the 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 vegetables are in there, but it's it's a very delicious uh, way to get to it. So thank you, all three of you, for for this fantastic book. Thank you. With, let's hope. Let's hope, by the way, that the sandwich makes it back to Cuba because I think that would be exciting to see. Um, be- you know, that would that would be a, a a symbolic move of epic proportions. Talk about full circle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well. I'm off to go because I live two blocks from Bedsaya, so I'm just gonna go grab one right now. You know, and, and again, it's it's the three of you's fault that I'm about to gain five pounds is really what it comes down to. You're welcome. <laughs> you know that a couple of extra little pounds is always good on a Cuban. This okay? is true. Well, it's because we're hot and pressed. That's why. Like you know, yeah. like the billboard said. Yeah. <laughs> Thank the three of you so much yet again, and I look forward to maybe one day you know hanging out in person and sharing a Cuban sandwich together. Would be 
Pero Let Me Tell You is co-hosted by Darian Borges and Ismaeliano, produced by Ismaeliano, and our theme, Pero Let Me Tell You Freestyle, is composed by Michael Angelo Lomlaplex, the official gay guy. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game, and it's good for you. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 